0: Hey everyone, this is Zach, and today's episode is about Christmas. Christmas music and traditions, uh, as well as my Christmas album, The Darkest Time of Year. Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know that I put out a free mix of mostly obscure and often weird Christmas music. It's over 100 minutes. A variety of genres seamlessly mixed as one mp3, I, I believe every decade from the 50s up to now. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Jingly and if you check the show notes, there's a link there so you can download it for free. So check it out. I hope it makes this season a little more joyful for you, and now on with the show. I'm Zach. I'm a musician, a former worship leader. I helped destroy a megachurch, and I don't really know
1: what I believe anymore. I'm Dave. I'm an occasional preacher. I am a Bible nerd, and believe it or not, I'm still an evangelical.
0: Boo! This is Veterans of Culture Wars.
1: Patrons of Culture Wars, this is the podcast where we talk all about evangelical Christianity. We're not here to take you to church or to preach a sermon. We're here to talk about the beliefs, history, culture, and just people's personal accounts of having been a part of evangelical Christianity. So we welcome all people, if you're an evangelical and want to join us in these discussions, or if you were raised non-religious, haven't really been around church our whole goal is to uh talk about evangelical Christianity, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there's a whole lot of ugly, isn't there, Zach? Well, not on this
0: episode. This episode's about Christmas, Dave.
1: That's right. That's Christmas. right. We get to do. Sorry.
0: No, no, it's all it's all warm, fuzzy feelings, and you know, mugs of cocoa and all those nice ah, things.
1: Yes, yeah, Frosty the Snowman. Well, Yes, uh, we are talking about Christmas this episode because this is a special episode. When this is released, it'll probably be like Christmas in October, uh, but we thought it was important to bring up Christmas as there is somebody on this podcast who has a Christmas record out. Ah, Uh, indeed. I don't know. I'm not a musician, so (laughs) we'll need the listener to guess who that might be. Yeah. Uh, Zach's album the darkest time of year is out on vinyl I actually have it in physically in my hands right now and it is beautiful I'm not saying that to you know just be I'm not getting paid to say this or anything it is uh, on like a marble red I mean it's uh it's really cool actually Zach I you know I'm glad I got my copy I'm excited well thank you yeah I
0: uh I put a lot of work into getting it made. Uh, I I basically had to do it all myself because it's a self-release. You know, I I, I got a little help from, from some, some folks, but uh, most, most things were all done by myself. Very DIY. Um, Nice. And yeah, I've, I've, I've been making Christmas music for a while. Uh, When you're a musician and you know other musicians, there's kind of a, common thing of making christmas records just sort of to give out to friends and things like that so i've i've done uh previous christmas uh, eps and little one-off songs and did collaborated with folks on on christmas things and every year when i pull out the christmas music to listen to i i have at least half a dozen christmas uh, uh albums uh, that that friends have put out uh none on vinyl though so i'm I, I i felt it was important i was really proud of this this record I, I thought uh it's about bigger things than just christmas but using the the format of christmas music to to delve into some stuff and uh i i just i, I really wanted to, to to have it out there in some real physical form that would last a long time
1: yeah and uh, a lot of timeless themes ideas uh even even the mood of the album uh, you know it could be transcended to different Christmases and different uh times in people's lives, and also just uh some of the mixed emotions that a lot of people feel around Christmas time with uh could be family stuff it could be the state of the world which these days is understandable we are recording this after the first debate of Donald Trump and Joe Biden, which was a flaming shit show, I think is about, you know, it seems universal that everybody recognized that, maybe except for, you know, some diehard members of the mega cult. But anyways, um, we uh, wanted to talk about this record and kind of to kick things off here to talk about uh, the evangelical view of Christmas the the awesome thing about Christmas to me is Christmas is a pretty inclusive holiday. Um, there are obviously a lot of people in the world that don't celebrate it, but there's a lot of people who do celebrate it. It spans not obviously just evangelical Christianity, but across all branches of Christianity, all denominations, uh, atheists, agnostics, um, that there are many non-believers who celebrate Christmas and recognize it as a a good time of year, a joyous time of year, hopefully, um, a fun time of year. And so I love the, uh, inclusiveness of it. Uh, but being that this is a podcast talking about evangelical Christianity and what evangelical Christianity is about, uh, we should talk about how evangelicals celebrate treat Christmas a little bit before diving into Zach's record.
0: Well, and Dave, uh, being that this podcast is called veterans of culture wars we would be remiss in our duties if (laughs) if we didn't take a a moment to honor the the sacrifices of the 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 fallen heroes of the war on
1: christmas (laughs) the war on christmas yes uh because the liberals out there want to destroy christmas and uh we want you to say happy holidays you'll you'll, notice i
0: i did not say i made a holiday record
1: oh zach well, <laughs> your album is called The Darkest Time of Year. It doesn't have Christmas in the title. This is true. This is true. I may uh, have to um I may have to email Bill O'Reilly and copy Fox News legal department in on yeah. that one. Yeah, so I just I just from- wanted
0: I I just wanted to recognize the importance of daylight savings uh in the fall and winter time uh as well as
1: uh seasonal affective disorder. Oh. Yeah, shouldn't we crusade against daylight saving times? I mean, you know, maybe there's another thing this podcast is about—is getting rid of daylight savings time. Yeah,
0: that—that'll that, be our our particular our goal. Bug, bugaboo, yeah, sure. Um,
1: <laughs> so, evangelicals and Christmas, um, and you—so you grew up, obviously, as as we discussed last episode—in an evangelical household. I grew up just in a, you know, we weren't going to church type household, but what type of traditions did your family have around Christmas time, and what would it look like with your church schedule uh, being a part of evangelical church and what you guys would do on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and those kinds of things?
0: Uh, Well, I'd suspect that my Christmas experience uh, was a little bit more concentrated uh, a little bit more intense than most other people raised evangelical because of my my parents' business selling music to churches and stuff, and the annual Christmas musical that so many churches would perform, you know generally with the like the kids' choir and such um was a huge point of of my parents' business um, I remember like September being like Christmas time for their business that that's when all the big orders would come in. They'd be sending out, uh, the music for half a dozen different musicals to, to the worship pastors and the worship pastors would be going through and picking out which one they, they wanted to perform that year. Um, going to Christian school, we also did a Christmas musical, uh, and a spring musical. I got to be the lead in a couple of them. And, uh, the plot of them all is the same it's it's always like a group of kids most of them are christians and then there's one kid like from a bad home that uh thinks that uh christmas is all about presents and santa and they learn the real meaning of christmas through the course of the the story and uh so i i was raised in a family where knowing the real meaning of christmas was exceedingly important um santa was never brought up i remember i was probably like 10 when i asked my mom like why don't we ever do anything with santa and she was like well you know they made up santa in order to take jesus out of christmas
1: wow i um i talked to somebody one time that called santa claus satan claus uh for that very reason they thought it was a complete distraction from the real meaning of Christmas. And that is the the birth of Jesus.
0: I mean that, you know, the, the, how we recognize Santa iconographically was just, uh, what Norman Rockwell paintings
1: for Coke ads. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's what sort of established what we think of as, as Santa. Um, was that
1: Baptist? There was a Baptist minister. I think it was in the 1820s. I should have researched this, that that came up with uh, the Twas the Night Before Christmas poem that became a huge thing. And I think that was a big template for the malls and stuff, uh, the capitalism of America, putting Santa out there.
0: And I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, But yeah, my you know, the churches I went to weren't highly liturgical, so I don't remember stuff about, you know, We are now six weeks out from Christmas and on the sixth week, you know, all the, all the, the advent calendar stuff, we didn't really follow that. Um, Really the big Christmas stuff that I remember was well, practicing for the musical uh, at our church. When I was really little, my mom directed the musical and, uh, and then the Christmas Eve candle lighting service Mm -hmm. uh, where everybody gets to hold a little candle and they all light it together and turn off the lights and the whole room is just lit by the candles and um, try to not let the wax drip onto the carpet or on your siblings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, that I still think that's a pretty neat experience.
1: Yeah. I, I would say some of the Christmas Eve services that I've been a part of the, the reverence is kind of, is cool. Everyone in the room Is focused perhaps, you know, you can never know what's in somebody else's mind, but theoretically, everyone is um, thinking about perhaps the meaning of Christmas, uh, Jesus, the birth of Christ, and they're lighting candles. And it is kind of a quiet reflection. I mean, churches do, evangelical churches do it different ways. There are some churches that start off with the fun Christmas songs and everything, and then it kind of moves into a more serious category. Some churches keep it serious the whole time. There's a small sermon and people sing very cool christmas hymns oh holy night is one of my favorites and that's usually a, a staple at these kind of services and i enjoy them too when you know when i became a teenager and got older and actually went to them i think
0: there's something about uh when 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 you go to these these charismatic sort of churches that are very focused on modern styles and sensibilities Christmas is just about the only time of year where they seem to tap into any of the, the rich history of church tradition, uh, bringing out some of those older hymns, going with, you know, the things like the candles, you know, it's, it's, it's not incense and all that. But it's about the closest that I ever got to the, the, you know, ornate traditions of, yeah, more, of, more of liturgical, a, yeah, like, like a Catholic yeah. or an Episcopalian sort of church. Um, and. I really enjoyed that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, because uh, evangelicals often there's some of, there's sort of a movement now in a lot of evangelical churches to go toward liturgy. I think I, I have noticed that people are recognizing the value of it. But generally, I think you know if we think about the megachurches in the '80s and '90s, a lot of that was just chucking tradition out the window and also centering a church around, you know, a personality or a set of personalities rather than a, a grounded tradition in the history of Protestantism or just the church in general.
0: And I feel a lot of it was almost like anti-aesthetic, anti aesthetic, yeah, right. anti anti artistic,
1: uh the boring so... drab like white and canned colors or uh, churches. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I mean most of the churches I went to were like in Warehouses and business
1: parks, right? Ugh, yuck! Uh, what America has done to the church. Anyway, (laughs) topic for another another podcast, perhaps. Um, Now, again, for people who haven't been raised religious, um, the Christmas story is. Some people don't know this. It's actually only in two of the Gospels. It's in Matthew and Luke. Uh, What scholars generally are agreed upon. I think it's pretty much unanimous that Mark was the first written gospel. It's interesting because the Christmas story is not in the gospel of Mark. It just kind of starts off with John the Baptist and jumps right into Jesus's ministry as he's baptized. Um, The gospel of John, which is probably the latest written gospel uh, that has a really beautiful opening in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Uh, That also does not go into Jesus' birth, but Matthew and Luke certainly do. And Luke is more extensive in going into the birth. And and scholars call, obviously, Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic Gospels, uh, meaning similar. Um, Most scholars, I think, would believe Mark borrowed from Matthew and, or or, sorry, that Matthew and Luke borrowed from Mark. And then there may have been another document called Q that was in there. Um, that they used as sources to write down all the material, um, but that's that's, that's yeah.
0: the one that explains about
1: the liberals stealing adrenochrome from children, right? Yes, right. That that cue uh, that would be that would be a forthcoming podcast. But yes, <laughs> maybe we can tie that together. I never thought about that. <laughs> the mysterious document cue, which i have never found, but. Historical scholarship, you know, you have to approach it as explaining why things are similar. Uh, evangelicals believe, obviously, that God, the Holy Spirit, uh, inspired scripture and wrote it down. Uh, historians that are, you know, looking for those similarities are looking for historical explanations. But all that being said, um, the Gospels lay out, you know, in Matthew and Luke, a, a story of, yes, God becoming man, becoming a baby. Um, which is the hope of the world and the source of joy that is a part of Christmas, but there's also a darkness to it. Because we find, like especially in Matthew chapter two, King Herod is wanting to slaughter a bunch of babies, and there's this violence, and it's still a dark world. And it's it's this message that sometimes it's hard to hard to capture this tension of there being hope, peace, and joy found in a a baby that has that is God incarnate. Uh, versus the really dark times uh, that we often find ourselves in the world and it's not like things have gotten better in our day so to speak with mad kings and mad people in charge of things not like we don't have that right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not enough songs about that part of christmas right right uh but yeah, it, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful account um, because evangelicals today, and this will probably also be a future podcast, but the idea of the pursuit of political power, that is kind of, that is destroyed in the Christmas story because if we believe that God is all powerful, and I realize people listening to this may have all kinds of different beliefs or not knowing what you believe, but if you believe that God is all powerful and he relinquishes power or emptying himself of power to become a human baby in history, he has given up power. He is not seeking political power. There's a, there's a humility there that is in that lesson um, that makes the evangelicals who are pursuing political power and Christian values being enforced on people via government, there's a real sense where that is anti-gospel, where that is anti-This Christmas story. Thank you. Where there's hope, joy, and where there's also kind of a, a darkness that's going around. Uh, you've made this Christmas album that really captures those, those themes really, really well. You are capturing that there's this beautiful holiday and beautiful stories around it. Uh, but it also exists in this world where there's pain and grief and heartbreak and all of those things
0: well i think I think it really is uh it's a it's a Christmas record for the trump era so i I recorded it in the second half of twenty seventeen um i there, there's a few things leading up to it I sort of want to to back up um uh a good friend of mine who had been in a variety of bands and put out some Christmas music of his own that meant a lot to me uh, had died in, t- in, uh, mid 2016. And that was the first time that I had had a peer, uh, die, uh, especially, you know, as an adult, somebody that I'd known for a very long time, uh, who meant a lot to me. And then. i I'm with sorry. The- that's terrible yeah it was you know and and there's a song on the record that has to do with with his music, but um that that threw me for for a while and um, with with the election of Trump, Trump, for many people, including myself, introduced a ton of friction in family relationships and gatherings. Um, Christmas had always been. A time where I could get together with with my family, and it was just total joy. We all got along, would have fun, uh, made great memories. Uh, I just I loved it. I've I've always loved Christmas. I always get excited months before it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, bringing and still Trump- to
1: this day, you, you you feel that you still have a excitement and a joy anticipating
0: i i I do and i don't it's changing um i i think when i believed more of the the theological parts of the holiday it made it more exciting in that way because i enjoyed tapping into the the history of the rituals um but uh, the the strain that trump brought into my interactions with family and my feelings about the belief system um, that, you know, in watching so many of them embrace him and call him one of them and, and say that, you know, he's, he's on our team and, and is somebody to look up to and support and admire um, really was traumatic. And from, um, from the, the election in 2016 on it's, it's been very, very difficult. And I started in the summer of 2017, putting these songs together. And I remember towards the end of the summer, seeing a friend of mine and telling him, man, I'm, I'm working on these Christmas songs and they all keep coming out like really sad. (laughs) and and talking about uh you know what 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 happens if there isn't any joy on christmas and uh and i don't know and he's like "Well, i guess just keep working on it and i i did but that sort of feeling kept coming up um and ultimately the family gathering aspect got so strained that my i after after a argument with my mom leading up to thanksgiving in 2017 she canceled thanksgiving and after that i wrote the final song on the album uh called half the fruit um that is i guess which closes the record yeah yeah i guess it's it's my evangelical breakup song um before i could really articulate it um dealing with the aftermath of that and so, yeah, the 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 darkest time of year, um, you know, the, the refrain in it is in, in the darkest time of year, in the darkest year of time, Christmas will help me survive. So it's that's the light at the end of the tunnel that will give me some amount of joy that even though living through the nightmare hellscape of Trump's vision of America unfolding, at least Christmas is still Christmas. Yeah and that's that's kind of what i was reaching for there is 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 it gives me something to hold on to something to look forward to something to force myself to generate
1: some joy surrounding right yeah i i imagine there are these days so many people that have a shared experience with that where strains with family members changing beliefs political disagreements around uh the the christmas table and you said a lot of this album was written in 2016 2017 how have the Christmases been since then you know we've had two we have one coming up have, have they been better or ha- has there been a kind of a truce that you've been able to find with your family if you can share
0: my my, my dad died a few months after 2017 christmas uh, so the re the record came out. I, I don't know if he ever heard it. Um, oh. he, I, if, if he did, he, we didn't have a discussion about it. And, uh, then we, we had bought a house. Um, and before, before he died and he died unexpectedly, we closed on the house like a week after he died. And we've hosted Christmas since then, um, in, in the new house. And so it's, it's changed where, you know, we used to always go over to, to my parents and, and they'd host and, and now we've, we've, we've changed up that aspect of it. Um, and I've tried to take on some, some things that, that he would do. Um, but it's weird, um, like i guess i i guess i'm a, a fairly nostalgic person but it's really difficult to make the transition from celebrating christmas with my family and having it be led by my parents to being my family's event exclusively um
1: there's a lot more work, a lot more planning on top of all the other things that, that you have to worry about that you've articulated
0: planning somewhat, but it's, it's more just the feeling of what Christmas is. Cr- Christmas is the time that, you know, I see my parents and you know, get excited about whatever surprises there are. My, my, my dad was a, uh, Habitual weekly garage sailor thrifter for <laughs> pretty much his entire life, and what he did was year round he would look for Christmas presents for people, and and uh, gifts for friends of his that had needs. Um, he when he when he died and we went through his wallet we found tons of post it notes with just lists of things he was on the lookout for that he'd heard a friend mention that ah oh, you know I. Could use some new hedge clippers or something so he, oh he'd look out on hedge really clippers cool. for tom or whatever yeah and he'd regularly find stuff and just go give it to them and and that was that so christmas for him was a year-round preparation and uh, so i i it's hard to not feel like i fall short in that way when i'm
1: ordering gifts for my kids off of Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's man, what an idea. That's really cool that he I mean in a sense he always kept it with him that generosity uh and just wanting to give to people. That's really cool.
0: Absolutely. You know, and Yeah. That was an aspect of him that I've I've tried to
1: instill in in my parenting. Um and I know this is your as far as being a musician and putting this record out this is your first self-titled debut is that correct?
0: Uh yeah, of like all original stuff. I mean there's a couple covers on it, but in the past the things I've put put out have been um mainly like the songs that I was recording for church, you know, which was mostly old hymns and things. There there'd be a few originals in there. Um, but I've I've recorded with friends over the years. Um, I got a few clips here of some of the stuff from over the years. Um, so my my best friend records under the name James Pants, and is <laughs> he, we've always had a sense of humor about music where you can be serious but also not take yourself too seriously. So like be serious about the artistry of it but be willing to have fun with it, you know, like like Beck or somebody, you know? And, yeah, uh, that's great. You know, he's, he's put out a bunch of records. He's had some amount of success. Um, and in 2007, uh, I played guitar on a Christmas song that he did that uh, came out on a compilation that that label released called Bad Santa uh,
1: with two Ds. Uh, okay so it's not connected to the billy bob thornton comedy of the
0: the owner the owner of the label was a fan of that movie but it's uh i, I what was it, a run dmc line not bad meaning bad but bad meaning good <laughs> so bad with two d's and here's a little snippet of that Scare. I want to scare. I to see so that was uh you on guitar yeah it was me on guitar and you know a little uh, atypical for a Christmas song kind of kind of funky kind of weird kind of unique we we're thinking of uh some some early 80s New York stuff like James Chance and the Contortions some 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 new wave no wave post-punk sort of stuff and uh and that's what came out of that and and I think the the first real song on my on my record is kind of owing to that um Santa Claus is coming Santa Claus is coming yeah it's it's bit of a bit of a
1: funky vibe and keeping it a little bit creepy as well (laughs) (laughs) because santa is and I, i love santa my parents uh i wasn't raised in a religious home but we you know i had the belief in santa when i was a real little kid uh but it is kind of a creepy character he watches you you know he watches you while you sleep he's keeping a list of all the naughty things you've done it is you know i mean Is Santa Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, If it is, I guess we're all getting
0: sweet baby rays for Christmas. We're all really Uh, screwed. (laughs) So that that was way back in 2007. And then by 2014, I put out my first Christmas EP just by myself. And my, my wife did some stuff on that as well. And it was a mix of some church stuff. And um, let's see, I don't think there was any real originals except the, the, the one that I ended it on. So that EP was called Merry Christmas, You Guys. And <laughs> sort of as a nod to the, the ending of the greatest Christmas album ever, Phil Spector's A Christmas Gift to You. Phil Sp- um, like the Beatles, Phil Spector? Uh, no, like the, the, the girl groups, you know, the Ronettes, the Crystals. Okay. Uh, yeah. So same- Listeners
1: not have to bear with me. I do not have the musical history knowledge, of course, as that does. <laughs>
0: same era, but American and, uh. Not a psychopath. Or not psychopath. Currently in jail now, I believe he is. Or did he <laughs> die in jail? Yeah. Not um, not sure. But, uh yeah it, it, that that record ended with an instrumental of oh holy night and then him talking to the listener thanking them for by the buying the record and enjoying it and all that and and i did a variation of that um that ended like this for all of us this is zach saying with all
1: you <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> and this is the first time i'm hearing this stuff by the way dear listeners it is that's cool e-
0: exceedingly creepy um <laughs> so i had to keep a little bit of the creepiness in in the intro to this record so i i kind of think of the record as being in three different acts which i have demarcated by these little uh instrumental noisy interludes uh with conversations with my kids about christmas over that so after the first one uh santa claus is coming comes in and uh find a section so that guitar very much i feel is reminiscent of what i was playing on this christmas girl and then the the ho ho hos in my head. I was sort of thinking of that shot in A Christmas Story when yeah. he's gonna when he's gonna go down the, the slide or whatever, and he's sitting on Santa's lap, and and he doesn't know what to say, and they have that like slow motion of of Santa like getting really close up in his face and freaking him out, and or, or isn't there like a dream sequence later?
1: Oh, he's like, oh, yes, wow oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying
0: to do that, essentially.
1: I got to revisit that one this year. It's been a few years since I've seen it.
0: So, yeah, this that's my that's my sort of, uh, I don't know, d- dirty disco, uh, James
1: Brown, something something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, You had mentioned, uh, you've already mentioned Half the Fruit, which is the closing song on your record. And uh, you have a lyric in there that says, uh, quote, even though the meaning changes, uh, unquote. Uh, And and you've kind of hinted that, you know, you've had some Christmas meaning change for you. As you look forward to this Christmas, what do you think that meaning will be for you? Or how will you think about Christmas with the family and with those you love?
0: Uh well that line's kind of purposefully ambiguous. Because, I mean all right, first off, I'm not really a lyrics person when I'm listening to music. It's the last thing I pay attention to. Um but I I I do try to be really particular when I write lyrics. Um and and so in that line that's the, the refrain at the end where it says uh, if nothing else, we still have Christmas. If nothing else, we still have Jesus. And even though the meaning changes, if nothing else, we still have Christmas. And I think it's kind of ambiguous in, in what specifically is changing. Is it that the idea of Jesus is changing or the, or the experience of Christmas is changing? Um, and I think I wrote it like that at the time because I didn't know which was changing for me um, if it was just Christmas or Jesus. And I think, I think the line is saying, even if, even if I don't share the beliefs that, that we used to share, we can still get together and enjoy each other's company on Christmas and experience the joy of that. And Christmas can still be Christmas without the faith aspect, which is anathema to everything that I was told as a kid, that if you don't believe that Christmas is about Jesus's birth, then you're not celebrating Christmas at all. And it's idolatry or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've heard the same the same things over the years, but I go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. It, it seems like one of the miracles of Christmas is how inclusive it is that people of all different belief systems really celebrate it all over the world. I mean, it helps that yeah. it was a pre-existing pagan holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Uh, and I was going to also ask you about... Um, the Everett Christmas melody, which is another song I really like on the album. And I, again, I'm not a music critic and I don't have the, I think I'm the exact opposite of you, Zach, where I, I will listen to the lyrics and I just, I'm not a musician. So I don't, you know, there's probably a lot of blind spots I have in recognizing the craft and the, the difficulty of putting the music and the songs together. And I will listen to the lyrics, but it struck me listening to the music of this song that I heard, um, the first thing I thought when I heard it was beach boys and Brian Wilson influence a little bit of that. And were you thinking about them when you wrote that song or was that, it's just well crazy random in my head that, I mean, I, I love the beach boys and all that, but that is a
0: medley of three songs that all are connected to my friend, Jeremy, uh, my, my friend who, who died in 2016. Uh, I'd been seeing him play music since high school and um he 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 was in several bands that meant a whole lot to me and would and he really enjoyed christmas and and put out several christmas things over the years so he was he was in one band that uh had a different name for their first release which was a christmas ep and and became a band called parenthetical girls um he left pretty early on into that but people that passed through that band have gone on to a variety of pretty interesting things um collaborating with David Byrne um I heard one of the guys from that band uh interviewed on on Fresh Air about he, he's like a composer now um really uh interesting people were involved in that band and the first thing that they ever put out was a little Christmas EP. And the first song on it uh went like this When it's time for Christmas I grab my electric guitar gather around my children. So that came out in 2002. And uh, the, everybody everybody who's in that band is from Everett. I went to school in Bothell and one of those guys moved to Bothell uh, for like, his junior year of high school and introduced me to all of his Everett musician friends. And I've known them ever since. Uh, and two of those guys that that were playing on that song just now uh, put out a couple different Christmas EPs uh, later one of which had a song with a section that goes like this he's going near and he's going far guided by the Christmas star here comes Santa Claus bringing gifts Christmas (laughs) Christmas has just begun. To all my friends and all my family, wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 Something about this, this friend of mine is... So, so the first song that I showed there, the "When It's Time for Christmas," that was 2002. Uh, in late 2003, um, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and it was right before his main band was putting out their first album. It's to this day my favorite album of all time. They were called Display, and uh, he he had some intense uh experiences as a result of that um was was had had to be put in jail for a while for his own safety uh and over the years had one of those classic cases of off and on medicine um you know one point stopped taking his meds and like i think he just took the bus to new york city a friend of ours, also from Everett, who had moved out there, like found him some months later in a park, and was able to alert the right people and bring him back home. Um, and after after about ten years of of that, things things got pretty stable for him, and his old band Display got back together put out another record. He uh, put out that Christmas song on, on an EP with, with one of our old buddies. Um, And then in 2016, he, he had a, a basically heart failure uh, connected to his schizophrenia. Um, Just, just slumped over and died um, in, in his parents' home. Total shock yeah um nobody saw it coming he had his his condition under control life was good um and in in the 10 years where things were rocky this was i i had so terrible. many yeah like like nightmares of of getting news that you know that he had died in some tragic event Um, as a result of, of his illness and when things got under control and, and good, it was such a huge relief, like we're out of the woods, Jeremy's Jeremy again, things are going to be okay. And his, his body had other plans (laughs) and it was, uh, it was Four years ago, and I think he's a year older than me. Um, so, th- um, so th- thirty-five. Um, is... and his 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 bandmate from that band, Display, um, started up another band. He and he was always doing various projects, but he he did a band with a couple other. Folks, and they put out one album, and it had a That's song Jeremy. on it called For Jeremy Cooper, and a section of it goes like this. <laughs> So what I was doing with the song "Everett Christmas Medley" was combining uh, all three of part, parts from all three of those songs together and layering them into one piece as a tribute to Jeremy. And I don't I don't need to play the whole thing on this podcast, but I can skip and show the parts put together. So this is the early parenthetical girl's song, When It's Time for Christmas. When it's time for Christmas, that is when you hear this song. Christmas, there you are, just where you are. And then I bring in the part from his Cooper and Yates little project. And then I combine those two parts and after they're combined i bring in the sending out love line uh from the third song so that's that that's a song that's really really meaningful to me and something that like five people would have enough information to piece together what that is um but i hope that for those five people it means a whole lot um because he was a pretty special friend
1: Wow. Jeremy Cooper. Yep. I oh, yeah. also wanted to ask you, uh, one of my favorite songs on your record is uh, Walking in the Air. And this one you also made a music video for, uh, which is on YouTube. And in our show notes, we'll have some links to this, this stuff so people can go and check it out. Uh, the Walking in the Air... Music video has a movie called "The Snowman," which is from the 1980s, right? Early 1980s. Uh, yeah, I think it's 85.
0: I no, should know it this. Okay. It's it's my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, the song nice. is from the movie.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask what what the what the that movie means to you and uh, the, how the idea came about to incorporate that into. Oh, it's 82. In the air. Yeah, 82. Okay, yeah. it was early 80s. I've never seen it. I need to check it out this year. You've
0: never seen it? Oh wow. Okay. I've never seen it. All right. So there's a there's a few different versions you can you can see. I grew up with a VHS ta- VHS tape uh, copy of it that starts out with a little voiceover uh, saying like uh, it was the heaviest snows that I could recall that winter. That was the year that I met the snowman. And uh, then it goes into the animated thing. It's it's this colored pencil animation that I've, I've always loved. Traditional animation, you know, stop motion and two D hand drawn stuff, all that. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, growing up, I used to like go to the library and get stacks of these like compilation VHS tapes. A lot of them of like uh, stuff paid for by the Canadian government. <laughs> the, <laughs> They did a lot of art, arts funding, and uh, for some reason, there's a lot of animation from Canada. Um,
1: Mooch off the Canadians. I love it.
0: And I, I don't think I found this from that. I think it was one that my parents showed me, um, but I've just always been drawn to traditional animation, and that's why the flying sequence in The Snowman is particularly uh, compelling to me because uh, it's a situation where they clearly, because of the way that they're having camera movement in a pre-digital animation environment it it's something where they couldn't have had uh just a separate plane of a background drawing and foreground character animation they clearly had to fully draw the entire image for every frame of this several minute flying sequence uh and that's a ton of work and so just from a production standpoint, I was just always in awe of that. The craft of
1: it is amazing.
0: It really is. Um, But there's another version of, of that, that uh, it's probably on YouTube that has uh, an intro and um, an intro from David Bowie, where he introduces the, the, the animation and he's up in his attic and it's as if he was the child and he's all grown up now and and he shows off this this scarf that he has that's the scarf that santa gave the boy in in the movie um and you know it's it's one of those you know you know you have you have a kid write a story about some amazing adventure they go on and it and it's it's always that sort of thing that ends with and i woke up and there was this physical artifact that proved that it was actually real and so yeah it's story of a boy that makes a snowman. Snowman comes to life. Snowman flies into the North Pole where he meets Santa. Santa gives him this scarf, and the snowman takes him back home. He goes to sleep. And when he wakes up, uh, he runs outside to see the snowman again, but the snowman is melted. And he pulls out of his uh, uh, bathrobe the, the scarf that Santa had gave him so even though the snowman was was gone and not able to to prove that his living uh snowman friend was a real thing he has these the the scarf to uh, to show that he had that real experience and so i just thought it'd be fun to make a video where i'm the kid you know i'm the david bowie of this <laughs> that is saying
1: that this this video is showing now I, I understand experience. the last shot of your music video even more which, uh, which is a great music yeah, video. So. There we go. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. You guys <laughs> all need to check it out. Uh, that's one of my favorite songs. That I think The Darkest Time of the Year is is another one. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much good stuff on this album. You, you've talked uh, about your musical influences and uh, just the stuff that's personally meant a lot to you in putting together this album. But just uh, as kind of a lightning round questions here, and I did not tell him I was going to do this, but w- what are your you know, top five Christmas albums of all time that you really go back to? Oh, I, I have
0: so many of those. Uh, I, I mean, I, I got to go with everybody else and say that the, um, the Phil Spector, A Christmas Gift for You is the greatest Christmas album of all time. Um, and, you know, I love the Beach Boys Christmas album, but I don't think that's actually going to be one of my favorites. The weird thing is, and I know a lot of Christmas music gets a lot of hate from a lot of people because of how hokey it can be, Um, but I'm okay with accepting that a certain amount of nostalgia is part of the reason why some Christmas music resonates with me. So I don't listen to the Carpenters but the Carpenter's Christmas portrait is one of my favorite Christmas albums.
1: (laughs) I don't think I've heard that record or, you know, maybe I've heard songs in a store or something, uh, but I don't know if I've specifically sat down and listened to the Carpenter's Christmas album.
0: That is the record that we would put on while decorating the tree when I was a kid. And uh, so I, I always, when I, when I listen to that record, I can visualize myself on a step ladder uh that next to the tree like
1: holy ground that's uh yeah putting up the tree that's that's big time
0: oh yeah um now i'm i'm willing to accept some nostalgic christmas music that is bad um, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 one the one christmas song that i think defined my childhood more than any is uh by a a a christian artist named evie you can find this at every uh every thrift store you will ever enter and she had a song called come on ring those bells (laughs) um
1: never heard of her
0: come on ring those bells light the christmas tree jesus is the king born for you and me and my sister and i would get spoons from the kitchen and dance around the living room clinking spoons together like they were our bells. Amazing. Um, she also did a cover of a reggae song. Um, Should I ask <laughs> I just, how that
1: turned out? Uh, it's, the
0: accent uh, is probably a bad choice. <laughs> 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 I, actually, I actually looked into whether I could legally play a little bit of, of come on ring those bells for you um but no that's not how podcasts work and as of right Um, now we
1: have zero listeners zero money not good to get into a lawsuit (laughs) right now
0: yeah uh but I, i i you know i go back to like i said i have several friends that have put out stuff so the several years of parenthetical girls christmas eps uh there's there's a fellow in texas that uh married one of the old everett kids and uh when they were dating they put out a record that they sent out to to friends uh with a handmade like felt uh sleeve uh that guy still records under the name fish boy and and their album the 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 fish boy and carlene jean death machine christmas album is annual listening for me um I really, really got into a series of Christmas mixes that a DJ by the name of Bomar with two R's uh, would put together. And this was pretty cool. I I, I I discovered the series in like the second year. And uh, was that the year that he did it? Uh, well, he, he put this Christmas girl on on one of the mixes and I was already into what he was doing and I just thought it was the coolest thing that uh, this, this, this series he did called wild Christmas, which was a lot of um, uh, outsider music, you know, unt- untrained musician, weird finds from YouTube, strange old cassettes and things, um, non-traditional Christmas recordings and weirdo music <laughs> Um, and, and he put this Christmas girl on there. And from then on I started sending him Christmas songs that I would find throughout the year. And, uh, he put several of them on mixes. And then a few years ago, um, he and James pants and I, uh, recorded a Christmas song together, which I feel like is a bit of a precursor to the album um it was called christmas aphasia um aphasia like the neurological condition of being unable to recognize something uh, such a like like face blindness where you can't tell people apart um you, facial uh, features aren't distinguishable you you know you you have to hear their voice to know who it is and i i thought of the idea of a of a song about somebody that can't recognize christmas by the visual sights and sounds but has to has to hear christmas music has to hear the jingle bell sounds things like That's that really beautiful um yeah and and here's here's uh here's the chorus of that oh no sorry here we go christmas <laughs> Trees I I was pretty into Oliver Sacks, the, the neurologist, and his writings uh, about music and and the brain and the the things that just make people different in how we experience the world uh, to the point where I I named my, my younger son after him. Uh, And so it was fun to think of, of a different way of somebody experiencing Christmas other than how the rest of us normally do. And I, I feel like that was sort of a precursor to this idea of, of, my experience of christmas changing uh and everybody's experience changes as you know like i was saying earlier about it, how it's difficult to convert Chris, christmas into being something for my family and my children not me as the child of my parents um okay. but beyond that the the changing ideas about what is at the core of of that experience.
1: Darkest time of the year that people can go to our website and uh, purchase a copy of that, which you should do because when this podcast episode is released, there'll be some time between then and Christmas where you can get this record on vinyl, on red marble vinyl. Put it There's on. only a
0: hundred copies.
1: Hundred? Yes, get hand quick. numbered.
0: You, you can get them at uh, muzac.bandcamp.com. That's m-u-z-a-c-h.
1: This has been another episode of Veterans of Culture Wars. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever podcatcher you like. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating as this is how other people will find us. You can send us an email uh, to the podcast at vocwpod at gmail.com. You can give us your thoughts on this episode or a past episode. Or you can also uh, give us ideas about what topics you would like us to cover for future shows. That is vocwpod at gmail.com. Buy Zach's Christmas record via Bandcamp by going to our PCW website. Um, You can read my, Dave's occasional blogging at www.dangeroushope.wordpress.com. Music on this podcast is done by the one and only Zach. And the logo will hopefully be done by my good friend, Jacob Daniel Wilkinson. We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back in your feeds very soon.
0: Thanks for visiting the VCW. And uh, remember, Thursdays are gambling-free bingo night. So we will see you then.